0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. I'm the original Honey Badger. I don't look at things
1: as being a risk. This is going to be fun, and you have to push the boat out. If there's no risk, it isn't fun, is it? The people are loving it, so you don't even think about risk.
2: All right, all right. Welcome back to Rebel Radio. My guest today is Mr. C. That was Cassie with her favorite quote from the interview. Uh, Mr. C, if you're not familiar with him, he is a bit of an enigma. In the 80s, he was the front man for a group called The Shaman or The Shaman, depending on what part of the world you're from. He was one of the first British white rappers. A pioneer of hip house and tech house uh, helping to create new genres and expand our listening consciousness these days he's a label owner at super freak records but he's more interested in taking people on a spiritual journey than he is in selling records and uh, here in his late 40s he's picking up acting And still discovering new talent and teaching Transcendental Meditation. This dude is all over the place and has just really interesting stories. I think um, we're going to learn a lot about self-confidence and about making the journey fun in this interview. Before we get into it, though, let's hear the EDM.com track of the week. That was Sunset Child with a remake of Silence. I love that track. I loved it when Sarah McLaughlin did it. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to say that. No, it's great. That's the EDM.com exclusive, meaning that it showed up here first before anywhere else in the world. That track's produced by my man, Static Revenger. Shout out to you, sir. This is Rebel Radio. You're listening on Dash Radio, maybe? Tuesdays at 10 a.m. or on SoundCloud or on iTunes or on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. And now, the interview with the one and only Mr. C. You do all your own social? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? So, some people really struggle, especially guys of our generation kind of struggle with, you know now having to be on for fans in social media, but that you seem to they should switch jobs to <laughs> accountants, yeah, yeah, okay,
3: yeah. I mean, for reals, if you're an artist and a performer, I think you, you, you've got a, du- a duty to your fans to communicate with them and you know, be involved in some way, you know, interact with them.
2: Does that just come natural for you, or did you, yeah. like, you know, yeah, take was, a class? Like, did someone yeah. tell you you've got to get in it? No,
3: I've always yeah. been like that. You know, even back in the day when I was, you know, a huge pop star with The Shaman. Yeah. Uh, after the gigs, I would change out of my stage clothes and put on my jeans and, yeah. like, T-shirt and, like, baseball cap and get out in the crowd. Yeah. And people i would be dancing having it in the crowd, and people would look around and people a spit image of Mister. you <laughs> just come off stage twenty minutes before. He's like yeah. spit an image, and then they'd be like, not taking, not sure, and you know, it'd be all double takes. And then when someone yeah. actually clicked, and they were like, oh, "Can I have an autograph, I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And then that would be, it. I'd be like, "Swamped." I'd have to get out and get back in, like into a safe zone for a while, and then try again. You yeah. know, but I've always been about com- community and getting involved. I don't look at myself as being any different or better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all human nice and you know with my Buddhist beliefs we're all one and what you see okay. in others is only because you have it in yourself yeah. and you know I, I, I like to get involved
2: nice yeah well before we get into to all the questions thank you for being here mm. I'm excited to meet you I've been my pleasure really um, you know I was listening to the shaman in high school and uh, and loved the stuff that you were doing then and then you know I've seen you go on to just be a pioneer in, in dance music, and uh, you know, break down some barriers, and yeah. you are credited with uh, with inventing tech house. I've seen that online. Yep. So, um, you know, we love having people on the show that take chances and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean,
3: for me, it's just passion. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I've got a very, very low boredom threshold with everything. Mm. So I'm always looking for new and fresh in, in, in everything in my life. And that keeps me going forward and being innovative and stuff. But it's, that can be a bit of a downer sometimes. You know, when you, you get bored of something and you move on and then, you know, the young upstart is picked up on what you left off and two years later they're famous for it. Yeah. You know, that can sure. be a bit of a wind up. Of course. But, you know.
2: So where did so. that come from, that, that boredom? Is that, were you like that as a kid?
3: I've always been the same yeah Yeah. I've always had um, uh, uh, my attention spans really good but I just get bored really quick Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's it's with everything Um, always been a bit of an overachiever and I think that might have something to do with it you know Mm -hmm. when you're young and you're pretty bright and smart and you pick things up quickly and you've done it it's like okay I've done that next yeah so I think it it comes from being an overachiever just a smart kid really Yeah.
2: yeah was that? Did you always know you wanted to be a musician?
3: No, um, not until I got to um, maybe thirteen or fourteen. I do, I kind of knew. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, a song uh, called "Rappers uh, Rappers' Delight" uh, by the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. Came out in 1979, yeah. and I was 13, and it was just like this 15-minute-long rap that I learned every word. I'm like, yeah, like this. and you know that kind of got me in there and it was i was 16 when i started to rap and it, from then i knew that I, I was going to be an entertainer of some kind yeah. a rapper primarily and wasn't aware I was going to be a DJ. Or, but it was always about vocals mm-hmm. to start with, and it kind of went from there. Yeah.
1: Wh- where was your first rapping gig? My and what was the reaction? Oh,
3: it was—it's uh, was quite funny because I started rapping. There was a, a guy that I was went to school with from my local area, um, Robert Brown, his name, and we would hang out. And we was both—we in, were into disco, funk, soul, general black music. That mm-hmm. was what our roots were in London. Mm-hmm and um we started like rapping just for the hell of it it's like let's write some raps yeah so but he was like the, copying the raps of a rapper called buster rhymes True. who was unknown at that time this is like 1982 mm-hmm. so like all buster rhymes raps were all on tape from new york and my m- mate was getting a hold of these tapes and he was copying his rhymes and pretending they were his <laughs> yeah and there's me wow. yeah i know i mean it's just fun but stuff awesome. on the street That's yeah? Start, but right? a, yeah and there's me team, writing yeah. my own which were equally as good yeah you know so i think that pushed me like you know my my mate's got these really good rhymes i've got to be just as good yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm writing and equaling it, you know, sure. and that kind of got me going. So that was at 16, but that was just fun stuff, you know, with each other, you know, listening to music in in our mm-hmm. bedrooms and rapping and getting on everybody's nerves out in the street, right. you know, yeah. like all our buddies in the street just getting on each other's, getting on their nerves, yeah. driving them up the wall. And um, my first rap gig, I was um, 18 and i was on holiday in the canary islands in tenerife Mm. and i went to a nightclub and there was a guy um djing playing all my disco stuff and um i kind of got my nerve up for i'm gonna ask him if you'll let me rap and it was quite a big club like you know 1200 people room oh wow and uh i went up to him and i said hey uh can i do you mind if i rap and he said, what, you, you're going to like rap along to something? I said, no, 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 I've got my own lyrics. He yeah. said, really? Uh, yeah, and I said, come here. And I started rapping in his ear. And he's like, yeah, have a go. Never rapped before in a club. Didn't know how to really MC a, a spot. Um, and he's like, OK. So he's giving me the microphone. And um, I, he said, what track do you want? I said, have you got Heavy Vibes by Montana Sextet, Vincent mm. Montana. It's a really solid disco track. It's an instrumental. And he was like, yeah, I have that. It was a big hit at the time. Mm-hmm. And what we, I used to practice on that, so I know all the breaks. It's like, yeah, this is the one. But so it builds for a little bit as a track for like I don't know, forty-five seconds or something, and then it has this long ass breakdown, and then like, and then it kicks in, and I knew the, where the breaks were, and then where it kicks in, and where it kicks in was where I'd start my rap. Mm-hmm. But as I'd never mc seen in a club before, I didn't know to what really what I was doing. Right. And I, instead of getting on a mic and saying, Yeah, my name's Mr. C, I'm from London. How you feeling out there in <laughs> yeah. Reef, warm da, da. Him up. <laughs> yeah, MC, you know, master of ceremony, move yeah. the crowd, you know, yeah. that's what MC is, move crowd, right? Oh, I mean, come on. And um, I didn't really know that. So I'm standing there waiting for the break. And then it breaks down. And like, because the guy's introduced me, he said, Yeah, we've got a rapper from London, his name's Mr. C, we're going to put him on the mic. Let's give me the mic, started the track from the beginning so like I'm waiting
1: oh my so, like, people are like what's going on
3: and then the everybody... breakdown and now people are shouting come on hurry up sort it out <laughs> boo you know and I'm like oh. and I'm thinking to myself, yeah you're gonna get it and as it kicked in I started to rap and the place went absolutely nuts it was just like ah. and the place went wild I went back uh, for the next uh, five nights that I was there on, on holiday, six nights, and rapped every night and. Um, got the taste for it, and it mm. was like okay. The next night, I realised, you know, actually, I need to talk to these people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, right. And um, it was great because I got treated like a star and got free drinks and uh-huh. had lots of girls wanting to be interested. So it was like, yeah, yeah, this is good. I like this. This is fun. This is fun. Yeah. And that was that was my first actual cl- club experience. That's but amazing. That's not really that wasn't really where I'd say I got my start sure. because it was about London, yeah. and that came um, not long after that. um when i got back from this vacation you know, you know i really wanted to get involved and there's uh, a legendary nightclub in london called the camden palace mm-hmm. that was the where the first wave new wave music started as well as old school electro from the early 80s and disco and it'd be like high energy disco mixed with all this first wave, new wave electronic stuff mm-hmm. and um, uh, a guy who was basically the instigator of all of that and the UK's first mixing DJ his name was Colin Favor. sadly he, we lost him a month ago mm. uh, but Colin Favor was DJing with a, a, a big radio DJ called Chris Forbes from Capital Radio and um, I asked him, you know, I went up to the DJ booth, and he was always very friendly. The DJs there like want to know what you want when you can get up to the booth. There's like a like a, 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 a little doorway gate thing you could talk over, uh-huh. and he's like, Yeah, what's that? I said, Uh, do you mind if I rap? He's the like, and he's like, You're a rap you're a rapper, and I said, Yeah, and I did the same thing, rapped in his ear, and he's like, Oh, yeah, you're good, come in the booth, right? So I went in the booth, and yeah same kind of thing he said what song would you like to rap on and I it's the same song you know Vincent Montana you know uh, heavy vibes and it's like yeah cool and I rapped in there and this is a club of two and a half thousand people it's a big room and um, yeah people loved it and went mad and it was really cool and that was my really my first what I'd call like my proper first London showing, and it was from there I started harassing DJs to get on the mic. Mm-hmm. And you know, by the time I, I got to like 19, I was pretty well known in the London club circuit as a yeah. rapper, so that was where I really so got so it took
1: going. like a year. From 18 to 19.
3: Yeah, to get really well known. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's awesome.
3: Yeah, it doesn't take long.
1: Right, because you're just hustling all the DJs. Yeah, hustling
3: yeah. everyone all the time. And, you know, yeah. but, uh, that's like amazing. I say, I'm really friendly, so I'm becoming friends with the DJs. Right. And, you know, uh, I'm a good rapper, you know, yeah. and like, especially for back then in the day. And it's quite strange to see a white kid doing it rather sure. than, you right. know, I, I was one of the few white rappers. Well, that's
2: what else I was going to ask, I mean, how, how much did you stick out? As, as a white rapper, like
3: a sore think? thumb yeah. you know yeah. uh, it was really hard I mean I did have one issue uh, that was quite crazy with, um, you know that, that thing that uh, Eminem had on 8 Mile where he was in the club and he was the only white dude oh, right. I had the same thing happen to me in London um, in 1985 I was with um, Jasper the Vinyl Junkie mm-hmm. who was one of the, from LWR Radio and he was playing with um, CJ Carlos another DJ at a club in Dalston which was um, a a, a very urban black crowd in there and pretty rough actually and there was a rap competition going on and I was actually the rapper for uh, a few of the LWR DJs Ron Tom a good friend of mine but uh, I was with Jasper the Vinyl Junkie and we were heading down to this place and he's like oh there's a rap competition you, go, you have to get involved and I'm like no way don't even think about it <laughs> there's no way I'm, I, you know I'm not really a battle DJ yeah. I'm a more fun uh, a battle MC I'm a fun MC I want to have a laugh I want to yeah. enjoy myself and we get there, and like you know, I'm out, out on the dance floor hanging out, and they they start this competition, and um, C J. Carlos gets on the mic and he says, "Yeah, we're going to do this rap competition now, and the first rapper we're calling up is Mr. C."
2: <laughs> oh, no,
3: please, Earth, open up and swallow me whole. <coughs> and um, you know, I got up there. I was pissed. But that was good because the anger came out in the lyrics and I threw down some hardcore battle lyrics Beastie Boys style in your face (laughs) I did Hardcore and the place went nuts. It was just like the whole place just went kicked off And you know the next guy that came up got like juice cartons thrown at him and Uh the booed and the next Three guys a crew come up. They were getting juice cartons thrown at them And I won the competition and ended up with the hottest chick in the house (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun
2: nice and so you know you go from that to to the shaman and you yeah, know I well, think there was
3: a DJ transition came in between. Okay. Yeah like um I actually made my first record. Um I I didn't go back to the Camden Palace for a year or so and I went back in it was early 86. And uh, my other mentor, Evil Eddie Richards, mm-hmm. was DJing with Colin Favor, who was still the resident. And I went up and re- reminded my uh, Colin to myself. I was like, you know, do you remember me? Yeah. I rapped in here a year ago. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to do a rap? And I'm like, yes, please. Uh, he said, well, I'm, I'm playing like house at the moment, which is why I went up to him. This is at 86. He said, let me slow it down to some hip hop in a little while and then come back. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I don't rap on hip hop anymore. He's like, what? I'm like, I rap on house. He's like, no, nobody raps on house. No, I rap on house. All my lyrics are about jacking your body, and it's about house music. And he's like, but I've never heard that before. I'm like, no, yeah. it's unique. It's something that only I do. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. He said, I said, what tune you got lined up? He said, oh, I've got uh, Nitro Deluxe, this brutal house. Mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, l- let me get on that one that's perfect he's like really and I'm like yeah so I get on the mic and I start rapping about jacking and jacking your body and jacking the groove and house music all night long kicking yeah. on court, coming from London and all that sort of stuff really getting in They were blown away and um, Colin wanted me to rap with him on Kiss FM, it was a pirate station back then and get more involved. Eddie Richards wanted me to come touring with him and rap with him and go in the studio and that was when I made my first record um, in 1986. It was a extremely deep house track um 118 bpm um, we called it page 67 mm-hmm. and um, because it was so deep I didn't want to rap on it instead I elected to uh, do a spoken word vocal about my passion which was meditation the law of attraction creative visualization to
1: the power of your subconscious
0: of meditation and positive.
3: mates thought I was nuts when I was a kid because like, <laughs> nobody was into this stuff. <laughs> yeah, 30 years sure. no one was into this stuff. <laughs> was 30, it was 30 just, years ago. Yeah. It was Pete was unheard of. Everyone thought I was crazy because that was what my thing. I was into that. Yeah. Still am. And um, it was after making that record that was released in August 1987, which would have been the first hip house record ever released had I done a rap. Mm-hmm. Um, it was after releasing that, I said, I need to get more involved with this. So it was then I became a DJ. Yeah. I said, I need to learn more about the way that crowds work. The pr- you know, I knew the breaks anyway as a rapper. So that made mixing re- really easy for me. Mm-hmm. Good ear. And I, it was then I said, I, I want to be a DJ. So I then um, started to DJ and MC on my own DJ sets mm-hmm. as well. So the DJing thing came a, a, a good t- two and a half years before the Shaman thing mm. came along for me.
2: I mean, everything you're talking about is so risky Yeah, is the word that, mm-hmm. that comes to mind, right? And fun
3: is what comes to okay. mind for me. I don't look at things as being a risk. I'm yeah. like, this is going to be fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, yeah, you have to push the boat out. Yeah. If there's no risk, it's not fun, is it? I love it.
1: So do, but are there, are there, are you ever thinking like, my stakes are pretty high right now. Can I still have fun? Can I take these kind of risks? Or you're just like, listen, I'm in this.
3: Super- I'm the original honey badger. <laughs> 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 like, like, you know, uh, for me, like, you know, I, it's never been a risk. Yeah, it's always been fun. Yeah, you yeah. know, like, you know, rapping on house. People are like, what's going on here? Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, people are like, what's going on here? This guy's rapping on house, but people are loving it.
1: Right.
3: So you don't even think about risk as a ki- especially as a kid. Mm. I was, you know, young. Yeah.
1: But when you're thinking like business. How, how do those two things work? Uh,
3: you know, I- even now, I have trouble with the business side of mm. things. I mean, you know, I'm a, I am a businessman, but, you know, I don't care. I'm an artist First and foremost, right. that's what's important to me, is art. Uh, the art is the agent of human evolution. We have to keep moving forward. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very easy, easy to inspire. You know, I hear something fresh and exciting, and I get like a big kid. My hair stands up on end, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and... I'm passionate about that. So, for me, I don't look at risk. And it's like that, you know, as a DJ, you know, I'm always searching for new music. And what I do is very different to other DJs. And I don't think, oh, like, this is different and this is a bit darker and this is a bit more twisted and this is a bit too deep. I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. I think I love this tune. And if I love it, it's because it's good and others will love it. And I don't even think about it. It's like people deserve to hear this stuff. And that's my attitude. So, I don't look at risk and... I don't have any fear. I'm a honey badger.
2: Nice. Well go back to something you were saying earlier. Um, we're all meditators. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, so I'm curious how you discovered that in Buddhism and how, how Okay, did that I was seventeen.
3: Um, my stepfather um, came out of jail um, smoking marijuana and meditating. And he said to me, um, you know, if you heard about this meditation stuff? I'm like, Well, heard of it but don't know what it is he said well meditation is when you bring your mind to stillness by chanting a mantra and by chanting a mantra it takes away the thoughts and then <clears throat> you you clear your mind of thoughts and brings you into the moment and when it brings you into the moment it gives you a certain power that uh, you can then use for positive thinking and you know i'm like yeah and i caught my interest immediately mm-hmm. and i was only 17 and like i say people weren't into it but uh, you know I, I i read some books on the subconscious mind and how that worked and um started to meditate um chanting a mantra inside my own head so it's mm-hmm. transcendental meditation mm-hmm. that i started with um
2: is there and, one book that Really made a difference for you?
3: Oh, huge! Uh, transcendental meditation mm-hmm. and um, positive thinking, the law of attraction mm-hmm. has been the reason for all of my success, uh, without any doubt whatsoever. You know, like I'm a I'm a kid from um, inner city, urban London. I'm a street kid. You know, I was in trouble as a kid all the time, in trouble with the cops. <clears throat> Didn't go to school after the age of thoughts at fourteen. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was more fun to be truant and cause trouble with my mates on the streets, being gangs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I come from. And, you know, I, I had nothing. I didn't graduate. I had no qualifications for anything. Uh, I did, like, manual work when, when I was old enough to, to get a job. And, you know, I had absolutely nothing. But it was meditation and um Positive thinking that turned my life around from being in trouble to being a creative, and uh, it was that that I I think really made made me focus on what I actually wanted in life, because once I realised that um, perception is everything and that it's all an illusion, mm. and that it's only your perception of the illusion that creates the illusion, because we it, whose illusion is it? It's yours, right? Mm. So. Uh, you know if it's all an illusion and it's my illusion then I can make this in to whatever I want it to be So let me get detailed on that and let me focus on that. Yeah. So, you know, I knew I was going to Be a a big rapper, and when I said to my mates, like, I'm gonna, like, after i started meditating, I'm gonna cane this as a rapper. They like, yeah, whatever. just like us, you know, (laughs) not going anywhere. Of course. And then, you know, I started getting well known as a rapper, and then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make some music. I'm gonna make a record, and like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, and then I'm gonna be a huge DJ. Like, yeah, whatever. And then I'm gonna be a pop star, and they're like, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, do be, you know, win songwriting awards. Like, yeah, whatever. And then when I said I'm gonna open the best club in the well, they went well I think you will <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know that's kind of how it was and it's so meditation and uh positive creative visualization have been the root of all of my success mm. yeah okay. I actually do workshops and I teach oh really
2: yeah oh nice
3: we'll have to come. Mm. yeah, yeah they're, in pretty, LA? they're pretty here in LA yeah, they're coming. pretty intense um, I cover a lot of things. It's it's like a nine-point plan um, inspired by my own guru in London, John Osborne Hughes, who, who does meditation and creative visualization workshops as well as teach actors. Mm. Um, he has a thing called the Spiritual Psychology of Acting, which is awesome. I studied method acting with him for like five years. It's nice. amazing stuff. Um, so, yeah, with the workshops that I do, it's a nine-point <coughs> uh, toolkit, I call it, uh, number 1 is meditation i teach meditation and what it's explain what it's about why we do it what the benefits are what you and the whole point of meditating number 2 is oneness the self and the absolute number 3 is um, pot, uh, the Um, subconscious mind and the conscious mind, how they're related, and how we can hijack the control back from the subconscious mind. Mm. Number four is the law of attraction and positive thinking. Number five is banishing negativity and negative thoughts completely and cleansing karma. Number six is um, attachments, what they are, uh, why we have them. And Mm. then number seven is actions, right action, wrong action, and inaction, and how to practice making right action all the time Uh, number eight is uh, altered states of consciousness and brainwaves and number nine is the pineal gland what it is how to look after it so it's a nine-point toolkit that joins a lot of things and gives you like joins the (coughs) dots on a full picture uh, and gives you a toolkit that you you can use to map out your own destiny and ultimately be happy Mm -hmm. because happiness is what's really key and the workshops that I do I also do psychoanalysis Um, psychology in in the workshop to find people's hidden problems uh, because those hidden problems will cause blockages and stop you making the right decisions on life so I I do um, what we call purpose finding and find people's hidden problems and then regress them to the events that cause those problems and then give them a technique for finishing their thinking on those events once you finish your thinking on an event the um, purpose caused by the event disintegrates Thus, clearing the blockages and helping you to make the right decisions about creating your own destiny and future. And happiness. Happiness is what it's all about happiness. Because that's what enlightenment actually is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People think enlightenment is an accumulation of knowledge and information, but it's not. Enlightenment is en-lighten-ment. Just be happy. (laughs) That's what it is.
2: Well, that's pretty amazing in addition to uh, what we were talking about earlier, a pretty full touring schedule. Oh, yeah. And so, I, you know, I, it strikes me as you're talking about all of this that the, um, the music business is probably a great place to test, to put all that to the test, yeah. isn't it? It Seriously. really is.
3: The music business is a great place to put this to the test. You know, if you know that you're going to do, do well in this industry, yeah. then you will. Yeah. If you hope that you're going to do well in this industry, forget it. Yeah. go and get yourself a real job yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. you know uh, the, like you know the, it's language is really important because you're programming on onto the subconscious um so you have to be careful about what you think and the way in which you think it you know like um w- that the law of attraction doesn't know the difference between um i want this and i don't want this you see mm-hmm. it, it's this that it's understanding um so you have to be careful with language and if you say i want to be you're programming yourself to be a wannabe so you have to really come into the moment and say i am mm. and let that be the focus mm-hmm. you know i am and it is are probably the most important words you're ever going to need to use in your life so it's really important to get that focus right. so can
2: you think of, of times in business where the, where you've really tested that
3: I've always been testing it, yeah. you know, since day one. Um, and not even testing it. Testing it's the wrong word. Using the tools Kay. and techniques to m- make my life happy. Mm. Mm. And it, that's the way it is, you know. Um, and I've when kind of achieved out. a lot of stuff. You know, when you think about it, from coming, coming from nothing, from, you know, a street kid to, you know, winning UK Songwriter of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, only mm-hmm. one band or person can be UK Songwriter of the Year. Yeah. And I won the, the Ivor for that with my partner, Colin Angus, in 92, 93. And, you know, that's huge. Uh, so to go from that to that, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
3: I know how I made that. And I made that by determination, dedication, and knowing. Mm. Knowing that I can. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know that you can, then you won't. And it's like that with, you know, you look at anyone that does anything, whether it be uh, any of the arts, um, entertainments, Mm -hmm. sports, uh, even people in regular business that drive their way to the top managers um general managers you know managing directors ceos you have to have some drive Mm -hmm. and you have to know that you can and you have to work hard because hard work is paramount you have to study you have to do the research you have to learn you know it doesn't just fall in your lap you have to do the put in the work but if you're prepared to put the work in and you know that you can Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. the knowing that makes it work Mm. if you have any doubt it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's with any, not just the music, right. but with everything. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, ha, ha, go for it and have belief in yourself. Know that in your own heart and feel that in your heart right.
1: that
2: you are. And we're then there's no you, stopping.
1: We're going to have you come speak at the office. <laughs> Take <laughs> over a Friday team meeting. <laughs> um,
2: well, so, you know, one thing I find so interesting is is – You've been able to do that in so many different areas, right? So as a rapper, as a DJ, as a producer, remixer, club Club promoter, promoter. (laughs) label owner. um, Is there anything that you can't do? Um, You were saying it before you even. I mean, I know. I think if
3: I wanted to do something, and I made the right steps to go and do it then I can do it. Like, you know, the next step for me will be acting. It was one of the reasons I've moved to Los Angeles six years ago, although I haven't really been able to get involved because I've been so busy with my music and my DJing and Mm -hmm. my labels and everything else, my throwing events around the world. But, um, you know, I studied five years method, hardcore, every week, Stanislavski, Chekhov, um, proper method acting, and that was the reason I came here. And that will be another thing for me to test my um knowing with yeah. and you know i know that i will be one of the biggest actors to ever leave the shores of the uk and i feel like anthony hopkins needs some kind of a replacement and that could well <laughs> be me you know and i it's like you know, when i tell people that you, oh, do, yeah, you have, gonna, a, you have like, a bit of an anthony yeah, hopkins, yeah, right. yeah, right. yeah, yeah for i sure. suppose a little you know, yeah. I, you know I can definitely play a psycho uh. that's right. <laughs> 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 and like you know and i feel that you know uh, That's going to be the next challenge Mm -hmm. for me. And I know that I will get there. And I know that I will have a lot of fun doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never thought I'd find something that I enjoyed as much as DJing. And they're very similar, actually, DJing, because you're in the moment. You're not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've done your preparation and your hard work, which is what it's about as a DJ or an actor if you prepare properly you build your character properly you like learn properly you know a, a bad actor practices until he gets it right mm. a good actor practices until he can't get it wrong you see and if you've done nice. the work and you've dedicated yourself Probably. and you've built the character properly there's no reason why you can't go on to do um, amazing roles and have fun right. and It's like being a child. Like You get to Mm. pretend to be someone else and have fun doing it. I mean, how much fun is that? I never thought I'd find something I loved as much as DJing, and I I have, which is great because I'm not getting any younger. Mm -hmm. And um, DJing is a young man's game, which is, you know, and I've still got a good few years left in me, but I'm an artist and I'm an entertainer and I'm a performer, Mm. and I've found something that I can move into. And I think that time is approaching pretty
2: soon. Mm-hmm. And you know. you know, it's funny you say it. it's a it's a young man's game, and I get it. Um, at the same time, you know, the guys that have been at this for a while, you know, we now have rappers in their 50s. Mm-hmm. We now have, you know, Carl Cox, Oak and Fold, all you the know, big those guys. D- are... the big,
3: a lot of the big DJs are all older.
2: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I've, I find that it's hard to imagine in the 80s, 90s, you know, looking at a rapper... And thinking of, you know, this guy one day is going to have diabetes or is going to, you know, is gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah, for like, sure. you know our, our <laughs> first rappers are starting to die of, of old age concerns, yeah. right? Yeah, well, this and, is where well, we're starting to lose our colleagues. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and, and DJ is, you know, the same. And um, how is it, how does that differ when you're on stage, when you're in the booth now? Compared I to don't feel any different. I, like, when
3: I'm in a DJ booth and I'm mixing it up, I love it as much as when I started. Mm. I absolutely love it. And like, yes. I feel one with the crowd. Mm. It's not yeah. them and me. It's us. It's oneness. Yeah. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, I, as a, an individual, I love fashion. I love, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of, a, I'm a, in some ways younger than mm-hmm. my years. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, a lot, a lot of my friends are now younger because I'm partying. Do a know. lot. I still go out and get involved, and I don't see myself as being like everyone's dad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure. um, I see myself as part of the community, yeah. um, so it doesn't really make any difference to me that the whole age thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's you know, age is not important as such especially with DJing, because you know a lot of these like i say the big name djs are getting older sadly for most of those they don't have other things that they can do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they'll you know die behind the wheels of steel get into the booth with a zimmer frame. Right. <laughs> get into the oh, man. Let me get into the booth. <laughs> That's right. not gonna be me. That's a uh, sad you know, like idea. the good thing is like, you know, with movies, you need old people in movies. Sure. You need like you know
2: <laughs>
1: always seeing the opportunities. Yeah.
2: Yeah so there yeah. you go. Is that um you know I mentioned all the stuff you do. Mm-hmm. Is DJing kinda your favorite? If you had to just do one thing, could you do that?
3: If I had to do just one thing, it would be DJing, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Why or, or, or maybe acting now, but mm-hmm. forget the acting, it would be DJing. <laughs> um, Why that one? Because there's really a magic in the community, and when you're in a room and you've got um, a bunch of people he- all hearing the same sounds, feeling the same body temperature, seeing the same visuals, smelling the same smells, it, it link it link. You, st- you start to alter people's brain waves from the normal beta state into the alpha and theta states and they release the serotonin neurons and all of a sudden there's this connection that starts to happen and a telepathic community starts to form and if you're in control of that in some way uh, in a suggestive manner and you can make people misbehave it's a lot of fun
1: <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> you know that's and that for me is what it's about it's about bringing people into the moment mm-hmm. so they can forget about the problems of yesterday and the possible solutions of tomorrow and um, celebrate life in the moment and misbehave and act like children and be free and for me that's what it's about mm-hmm. and that that is a real magic and I, would, I could imagine that that same magic you can capture on in theatre Mm-hmm. But like right. that, as a DJ, it's an amazing experience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a beautiful thing to be able to help people just celebrate life.
2: Do you think that's changing? You know, we talk a lot about <clears throat> how technology is impacting the making of music, the enjoyment of music. Certainly mm-hmm. DJing is different. James and I were talking the other day about... Uh, you know, when you had to carry milk crates, oh god, yeah, and like,
3: thank God they're gone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's what we were saying, right? Is there's this resurgence of vinyl now, mm-hmm. the renewed interest in vinyl, but I can't see anyone wanting to go back to hauling crates around. Yeah,
3: I hauled crates until two years ago. I was oh. a vinyl DJ right up until two years ago, and yeah. I, I had a very serious back injury. I slipped disc. And it took uh eight weeks for the dip for just for my spine to get back into line mm. oh. and then months of rehabilitation That's and tough. it was at that moment i was like right records <laughs> you're going to take a back seat yeah. but now i'm back to full health and yeah. i have been for a year uh, so um i think i'm going to start carrying more, a bit more vinyl again but not like two huge record boxes oh, but, anymore I mean, but like it's you know maybe, right Thirty I mean, forty track, thirty mm-hmm. forty discs. You know that you can mix up with the, you know, put your, your WAV files in, mix it up with the vinyl mm. all together. You know that's got to be the way forward, I think. Sure. But I'm, I'm definitely going to start playing a bit more vinyl again um, for next year. I definitely
2: so, see that on the so as technology makes it easier to DJ, right? Um, yeah,
3: I mean, there's the, yeah, the there's the you know,
2: plug and play. Generation, right? Absolutely, uh, you know, right. And you, right? If you go you uh, look at a when rave,
3: when do you start this? Uh, one, two, three, four, start, right? <laughs> one, two, three, four, stop, sure. And there it is. That's a mix. Ooh, and it all synced it for me. Aren't I fantastic? Right? No, you're not fantastic. But you know, selection is a big part of it, and a lot of these people that couldn't mix a a, a cookie dough Um, they do um, some of them have great selections and I think technology is a great thing if you can be creative and do your own edits and make your own versions of things and remix things live using loops and effects um, then I think that's great and technology can be a fantastic aid if used in a very creative manner and I'm all about it and like you know I've watched DJs being very creative with technology whilst they're spinning and you know yeah sometimes it looks like they're doing their emails or they're on Facebook but mm. it still can be pretty special what was coming out of the speakers um so that I'm all about it's the ones that you know just just play one record after another sure. all on sync that kind of wind me up a little bit yeah. but even then I don't care you know
2: well you know look it's w- what I'm wondering is is does that can can we still what you were talking about earlier taking people on this sort of transcendent journey right um can that still happen yeah i think it's all about selection and
3: Mm -hmm. also about um being one with the crowd Mm -hmm. the problem is i think is the large majority of djs are all about this Mm -hmm. yeah look at me look how good i am and a lot of djs do it for um the fame and the adulation and I think when you don't, you, when you're not one with the crowd, that's going to make things more difficult to take people on a journey. And I think there are a, a bunch of DJs that do do it for the right reasons, and those are the ones that are creating magical journeys. Mm-hmm. And I think those magical journeys are about um, wanting to, the, the, wanting to be one with the crowd, and wanting as yourself and the crowd as a collective to go on uh, some sort of a journey where you're having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And DJing for the right reasons and the only reason to be to be a DJ in my view is to help people to celebrate life Mm -hmm. to bring them into the moment Um, Because when you're in the moment and you're dancing, you're not thinking so it's meditative It's like meditation, you know like we're constantly stuck in thoughts and all of our thoughts 100% of them are about the problems of yesterday and the possible solutions of tomorrow. Mm. When you're in the moment and concentrating on something, which is what meditation is, or dancing, you're not thinking about these problems. That's a celebration of life. Mm. And I think that's what DJing is about. That's what entertainment is about. It's about taking you away from the drudgery of existence you know we're the only creature on the planet that has to earn a living and it's like you know you can get away from that and come into the moment Mm. through the power of dance and I think the more DJs realize that and the more DJs play to help people to celebrate life then the more journeys we're going to get but journeys are still happening They are very possible and there's a ton of great DJs out there mm-hmm. um, a lot of the new kids coming through awesome I love it that there's so much great new talent coming through who, who are some favorites? Well, like, you know, I'm very biased, but, you know, all the people that I've got working around me, there's loads of great talent here. Um, You know, uh, Noel Jackson, David Scuba, Zoshi, like all the Super Freak crew I love. Um, You know, but there's there's lots of new kids coming through from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's exciting. You know, I remember, you, you know, like, 10-15 years ago I was like will I ever be able to give up this thing you know who's gonna take on the baton who's gonna carry the torch once I put it down yeah now I feel like I could quit tomorrow there's so many people doing it it's like fantastic and really meaning it from Mm. all over the world and you know I'm all about the kids you know, get getting them, giving them a platform and giving them a break. That's what, I, and that's what my super freak label's about. You mm-hmm. know, I've got a lot of young talent on on the label. I want the label to be a platform for new talent and for talent that isn't getting the opportunity that it deserves. And you know, I
2: think that's great. If uh, so, if I worked for you, is there something I would hear you say over and over? Am I allowed to swear? Yes, Yes. cunt. It's my favorite word, and I put
3: emphasis on the T. You
2: know, but it's it's always a a term of (laughs) endearment. Okay. (laughs) Um, You you talked about the fame earlier, and you know, I find it interesting. You know, the shaman were were a big commercial success. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Ebenezer Good, in particular, was a huge international hit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yet, most of what you've done has been really underground. And I think, you know, you're, you know, I tend to think of you as an underground artist.
3: Yeah, I mean, even back in the day when we did The Shaman, I mean, obviously, Ebenezer Good was a number one pop hit that would have been number one for months if we hadn't deleted it after a month of being number one. And, um, you know, it's like the band itself, the music that we made was was far from commercial. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, Ebenezer Good had a commercial. Um, hook and it was very accessible and I think because you know it comes from England and the English are, are real jokers or the British are real piss takers mm. and because of that you know I think that really helped the the song catapult to number one as it did. But the, the shaman were always a little bit different. We weren't your normal pop band mm-hmm. and you know even though we were commercial you know uh, Progen move any mountain was a shoot was our first huge hit huge. and that was a cult song and that was what made it a hit It wasn't because it was a commercial song mm-hmm. but the quality of that the quality of the writing from um, Colin Angus will sinner my raps you know like it made that get that big I will not feel no fault I shall succeed is altered. I do believe faith is so strong now. Nothing shall bar my way from conviction. No fiction. It was the same with like you know when, when the Bostrom Drum album came and it was hit after hit. Love, sex, intelligence. Ebony's a good Bosch Drum. Forever people, our biggest selling single. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know these had great hooks. You know Colin Angus is a genius songwriter, and to like for me for me to have the pleasure of writing with someone who's that genius, mm. it, it was amazing. You know. Um, these weren't your normal everyday pop songs. So, that, and also when we performed live, we didn't perform the pop seven-inch versions. Mm. We did acid versions. Yeah. And like so, live, I feel that we were better live than on vinyl. Uh, what we did live was next level. It was m- mental. Uh, shows uh, were proper raves and the way we performed live was next level lots of live synths live drums live vocals and it was just in your face mm-hmm. It proper rock and roll energy acid house and you know it, because of those things the shaman were in many ways underground and for me that's always been in my heart and you know, when I, before I became a pop star, I always said, you know, like when this opportunity of the shaman thing come up and I was asked to be a guest vocalist on Move Any Mountain, which mm-hmm. was my first involvement with the band because the band was a psychedelic rock band before yeah. it moved to London to discover Acid House, mm-hmm. uh, which I was one of the instigators of that scene. Mm-hmm. And you know, when um, the band moved and, and decided to switch it up, it was like... I was lucky and fortunate to be asked to get involved and once I was involved I said I'm going to make sure that any money that I earn from being a pop star I'm going to plough it back into the underground scene in London and that's what I did you know when we became pop stars I didn't buy a flash car and a house I spent a bunch of money on an amazing recording studio, on starting Plink Plonk Records, um, employing a bunch of people to r- work and run the label. I had a fantastic partner, Paul Rip, who I was doing the Plink Plonk thing with, and I pumped every penny that I had back into the underground, uh, the last of my money, uh, into opening The End, mm-hmm. which was th- one of the greatest nightclubs the world has ever seen, and the blueprint for all modern-day clubbing. And I, every penny back in. I didn't spend anything on myself at all. So tell Uh, us what made the end so great. What made the end great was, um, you know, club, real clubbers making a real club for real clubbers. Mm -hmm. Um, Leo, uh, Mm -hmm. my partner from Leo and Bushwacker fame. Um, Leo's father, uh, who was the third partner, Douglas Paskin. is one of the best architects in, in in England uh, from PKS. Stunning work that that man does. Absolute genius. And, uh, he was commissioned to make uh, to turn this space into some sort of a shell that could be used for some sort of a a, a leisure and arts and entertainments complex. Mm. Uh, Leo um was already a, a promoter and like started DJing and he'd been promoting since he was a youngster at mm-hmm. university, yeah. promoting parties for his, his university mates and, and, and always into quality underground music, always knew where it was at. And he uh, came to me and asked me if I'd like to get involved in this project because we were mates anyway. And he knew, you know, I was always, I was been throwing my own parties for many years Mm -hmm. in London, like underground warehouse parties. I've always done that stuff. Even as a pop star with The Shaman, I was throwing illegal underground parties every month like proper house and techno parties it was like a a schizophrenic mr c (laughs) and uh leo said you want to get involved in this project and i'm like let's go and have a look at the venue and we had a look at it and you know there was these low tunnels i was like well if we dig down they could be high tunnels and Mm. uh, you know it's a lot of vision and i was like it can work and i put the first large chunk of money into that which persuaded others to put money in and the banks matched whatever we raised and that got the project going um uh, So at the end, we built that. We built that from scratch, and um get that was a big risk. But that was the last of the money that I'd earned from my first bunch of Shaman proceeds and from the bostrom album. Well, wow. uh, so I've always invested everything back in, and that's something I've always done. You Did know?
2: somebody help you make that decision? Did you just know when you got to check? Because, you know, like you said, most I knew. No, most I, young I, guys. I, no,
3: I knew. Well, I knew. that well, The first thing I did when I got that check was build a studio and start the label. Mm-hmm. And it was a media. I wanted to start Plink Plonk Records for three years and was a poor poor kid and a DJ having to survive on small DJ, underground DJ fees until that first Shaman check came mm-hmm. in. And that, you know, that first Shaman, that big Shaman check came in a year and a half after I became a pop star. People think you're loaded, sure. but you know. You're, yeah. you're you know, because like yeah. we've, pr- we've moved any mountain, I was just a guest right. on that, and yeah. you know, it takes a while for the money to start trickling through. And then the Boss Drum album, the time it took to actually get paid after mm-hmm. breaking even, you know, it was like the end of '92 before I got the, my first big check, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like immediate, right? It, it, I've been waiting for this moment for yeah. years, right. so yeah. it was immediate, it was like, mm-hmm. right, bam. Build, find the location, build the studio, start the label, employ the people, get the offices. Let's get, let's rock and roll. Right. And it was immediate, and there was no hesitation or second thoughts.
2: Jimmy, favorite nights at the end.
3: So many favorite. The closing. Mm. The closing was by far the best clubbing experience of all of my years. Um, in England, you don't need ID, or didn't back in the day. No. And I started clubbing when I was only 13 years old. I looked yeah. a little older. I looked 16. If you look 16, you can just pretend you're 18, yeah. you know. So yeah. I started clubbing really young. And, um, you know, I've seen it all. I've been to closings of nightclubs, closings of parties. I've done the biggest festivals and nightclubs and DJ'd in the best clubs throughout the world. And there was nothing but nothing that could be quite like the end closing party. Mm it was magical who played every way Um, Laurent Garnier uh, Ben Watt myself Leo Bushwacker, Errol Alcom a bunch of youngsters that were working with the club Uh, but that was the general like you know and it was it was a a, a, and and 20 hour party Mm. it was mental and it was like people dancing as though it was the last time they were allowed to dance the emotions that were flying out the celebrations the laughter the agony, the tears, the uh, complete extremes of every emotion imaginable, you know, because the end really was home Mm. to many, many, many people. And the heartbreak and the celebration Mm -hmm. all in one was unreal, Mm -hmm. unreal.
2: Did you have a, so you and Leo were partners? Yes. what did you learn about business partnerships from that experience? I think, you know, I've
3: learned a lot about business partners partnerships i've always worked with people i enjoy working with people and um you know you got to learn in life that there's always someone that knows more than you and this has been one of my problems with my career is that you know i've always been a little bit my way or the highway mm. and um i'm stubborn as a mule mm-hmm. i really am An stubborn artist, as a, a true mule artist. <laughs> and if you you know tell me to do something even though it's the right thing for me i'm going to do the opposite yeah. you know i was always like that rebel you mm-hmm. know punk and it's like and so, so working with people does teach you to be a little bit more open-minded and even now at my age i'm still learning to let go let flow and um you know give things up and stop being so anal about Things. Um, You know, for me, it's like it's always got to be really underground. It's got to be cutting edge. It's got to be the future. And only I can do this because no one else has my vision. And I'm still having trouble letting it go. But I think I'm just getting to a point now where I'm ready to actually let go of that and um, start stepping things up for my own brand, which I have to do for my artist's sake instead of because I'm a pretty selfish individual or stubborn not selfish stubborn individual and that the, i have to do things in a certain way and i have to make sure that it's done that way and won't let anyone else interfere mm. is stubbornness maybe insecurity definitely mm. ego uh, still things that i need to get a grip on with myself and learn because mm-hmm. you don't stop learning, and I have my faults like anyone else. So you know, I need to deal with my ego issue issues and allow to let things go and let others more involved. But I think I'm, I'm reaching that stage now, and I'm ready for a, a big change in my mm-hmm. career, musically, and ready for my brand to take a big leap and you know get others involved that can help um, Super Freak realize its potential.
2: Yeah. So you you talk. Talk about uh, you, you mentioned a couple mentors, Evil Eddie. Um, Colin Favor, Colin. How, what are so? What are some of the important lessons that they taught you? Um, well, Colin Favor, um,
3: humility, uh, the most humble man that ever lived. This is the guy that was the guy that was mixing up first wave, new wave with old school electro, and You know, when you think like, where did the music, where did our music come from? You know, it it came from people like um, Frankie Knuckles Mm -hmm. and Ron Hardy in Chicago Mm -hmm. in the early to mid '80s, finding first wave new wave music and mixing it with disco. Well, who was mixing the first wave new wave music? Colin Mm Faver. You see, so he predates that. Yeah, he pre he it was post punk, predating Detroit techno, Chicago house. You know, um, this is the root of everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then to be so humble and so sweet and so nice, unbelievable. And then Eddie Richards, um, a master technician single vision, single sighted, won't let anything change the way he is. Determination, knowing what is right and what is wrong and not deviating from the path. Um, you know, I learned a lot from that mm. as well. Um, obviously watching them when I was a rapper and being their rapper, you know, watching them DJ, that w- was one of the things that made it so easy for me to be a DJ. I always knew the breaks and like, n- knowing how it was done by learn- watching them that was a huge learning curve for me as well. So it's it's like, um, they've been an influence on me with humility, integrity, and technical skills. I think they've been the main three things that I've learned from my mentors. Mm
2: -hmm. And then what about with with what you're doing with Super Freak? What are the, what's the the goal?
3: Well, the goal has always been up until this point um, to have a platform for new talent uh, with the label, with the parties, which are, well, Super Freak celebrates its 14th anniversary in m- March. Um, the parties were always about um, creating boutique environments for um, like-minded adults mm-hmm. who want to dress up, look fantastic, listen to cutting-edge, forward-thinking, innovative music, get out of their minds and have as much fun as possible and misbehave in an adult boutique environment. Mm-hmm. And that's always what it's been about, Super Freak. Um, adult entertainment at its absolute best for all, uh, and for fun, but about pushing the envelope musically and artistically. Um, that's what Super Freak has always been about as a party and keeping it boutique. Um, and like with the label as well, you know, I've never cared about sales the commercial side of it has never been important to me uh, but n- and it's always been about the label being an um, an expression of the events and an expression mm-hmm. of the music that the events are about and about being a platform for new talent but now I, i'm having a bit of a change of heart and i feel that if i'm going to be a platform for new talent it needs to be the best platform that i can supply so i think it's time to take super super to the next level and start to push it um into a bigger arena and uh, without compromise, without compromising the sound, without compromising the attitude, um, but to make the platform what I, the best it can be for the new talent because they deserve more. It's the kids that are on the label that deserve more. Yeah. I want them all to be stars. I want all of the artists on the label to be the next big thing.
2: That's cool. Uh, how important is that not caring about sales to being successful? um No, I think it, no, I think you need to care about sales to
3: be successful. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of the reasons Super Freak isn't uh, a, a big selling thing. Um, I don't even look at th- the statements; I leave them on partners to yeah. look at. I don't care. Sure. Like, and I do the A and R, so I don't A and R on what's sold. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's sold the most. Let's put more of that out. Right. I don't look at the sales. I A and R on what hits my heart Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i've got a different attitude towards my a and r in of the label i put out music because i love it and i think it's amazing next level shit Mm -hmm. and i because it's fun and that's why i put out music as as an art art Mm -hmm. form and 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 as an outlet for art because that's what it is so i don't care about sales as far as the label is concerned Mm -hmm. but i do care about sales as far as the artists are concerned so I think that's why I'm ready to take the brand into a bigger arena got it man. and I think like at the moment I think the music that we're releasing on Super Freak is probably some of the most innovative music in the world mm-hmm. the talent that I've got around me you know and a lot of it's from LA is amazing you know like I've got artists uh, genre e machinery mm-hmm. they're like the new model 500 it's amazing music mm-hmm. low uh from calais he could be the next Laurent garnier you know i've got seasoned artists like Jay tripwire who's absolutely amazing you know why is he not as big as ricardo villalobos Mm. you know i've got you know david scuba who's uh, you know he's originally from new york he's my partner and you know he he lives here and he's amazing dj such a wonderful guy fantastic producer with his own sound that's next level there's the dance spirit boys you know, uh, Chris and Reagan, they're from here, amazing, they're making a beautiful deep house and edgy house and a bit of acid and stuff like that. You know, all these artists are next level, you know, and I, I feel that all of these artists that I've got around me, fantastic DJs, fantastic musicians, l- sweethearts, lovely people, fun, they've got their full, they're all the full package and they all have the potential to be the next big thing. Mm. That's kind of where I want to take the label now. I nice. think now that it's, you know, got a foundation that's built deep, it's, the foundation is so deep, nothing's gonna rock it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that's done. Now we need to start building the tower. Mm. Nice. And that's, the, it, that's next.
1: How do you, okay, let me figure out how to word this, because you focus a lot on underground, but when you want to take something and put it on a bigger platform, does that challenge something yeah. being underground?
3: No. Oh, I, look, I don't think there is any such thing as underground anymore. You know, when you think about all the music that is inverted commas underground, is it? You know, right. when, like, you've got, like, parties like Cocoon getting mm-hmm. 7,000 people every week into mm-hmm. Amnesia and Ibiza, and, like, mm-hmm. all these, like, you know, music on and circle Loco and um, Rebel Rave and... Vagabonds and all these amazing brands that are really good musically, are they underground, Mm. or is the music cutting edge? Mm. See, I like to change the word underground to cutting edge Mm -hmm. because underground is when you don't—it's not about uh, amounts of people; it's about keeping it boutique. So I'd say Super Freak has been pretty underground because it's boutique and it goes under the radar. That's underground. But is there underground anymore, or is there? Making money and not making money mm-hmm. you see, and this th- the whole debate has changed here. What is underground? you know um, there's a lot of good music that has the potential to become very big, and what is known as underground dance music is now commercial all over the world and being played in the biggest clubs all over the world mm-hmm. you can 't really call it underground anymore. Mm-hmm. what do you call it different you see mm-hmm. so yeah. and uh, if underground can is now that is now the is now mainstream is now um, accepted as being you know the go-to form of dance music then fantastic because it means that uh, you know the the world has reached a position where it's going to um, allow good quality artists and musicians to be able to make a decent living and push their career to its fullest potential mm-hmm. and I think that's a really good thing Yeah, absolutely
2: um, <laughs> best DJ you've ever seen live
3: best yes oh, that's, that's a difficult question Sorry. there's so many great DJs that I've heard you know where does one begin from you know the old-school DJs like Carl Cox and you know Richie Horton back in the day and uh, you know people like uh, Danny Tanaglia amazing and you know you can just go on forever like new school people but uh, you know like you know my missus she plays the best music i've ever heard so chic and mm. um, there's so many great dj's out there that are playing good stuff and you know, I enjoy listening to other DJs, uh, and I'm hearing fantastic DJs all the time. And I'm not one of these, like you know, I'm not a train spotter, and there's so much music out there. Like, most of the time I never know what people are playing, and I don't go and, you know, train spot it or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there's, there's so many, you know, I could go on forever with DJs, you know, Laurent Garnier, Derek Carter, a lot, a lot, a lot of the old school people, you know, Junior Vasquez, right? there's millions of them. Where do you, where do you start? Yeah. It's a good problem to have. It's a good mm-hmm. problem to have. And, you know, I think when DJs are playing with their own style, it, it's going to be amazing. And when they're doing it for the right reasons, it's going to be amazing. And there's been many people over my 30-plus years of partying that I've been getting down to going, hell to the year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
3: you know, uh, I, do, I, I like to dance. I like to have fun. And I'm hearing great DJs that are making me dance my arse off
2: all the time. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Well, thanks for that, Mr. C. Thank you for being here, on Rebel it's my Radio. my
3: absolute pleasure. Thanks for it having was me here. Awesome. I really appreciate being invited on. Yeah. Beautiful. Come
2: back anytime you want to promote something. Yeah, please gonna, do. I'm gonna I've got my tent. Yeah. please do. <laughs> I'm gonna put camp up now, shall I? Awesome. <laughs> all right, that was Mr. C. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That dude is crazy and dope all at once. Come back next week, and in the meantime, hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Find our Facebook page, Rebel Radio. Leave us a review on iTunes, comments on SoundCloud, or don't do anything. Bye.